Welcome to Better Leaders, the podcast, where we surface good leadership and smart management in media and beyond. Today, I'm talking to Lisa Gibbs, VP of Philanthropic Development at the Associated Press. My name is Anita Tilina, and I'm your host. Welcome to Better Leaders. Lisa, thank you so much uh, for joining us today in Better Leaders, the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. So why don't we get started for our audience members who might not know you and what you're doing now and your career so far. Uh, why don't you give us a brief kind of spiel of what is your current role and what brought you to that role? Great. Well, I work for the Associated Press and I am right now their vice president for philanthropic development. Um, and my career has taken a bit of an unusual arc. Um, for many years, I pretty much had the career of a traditional journalist, uh, particularly focused on business news. So reporter, editor, manager, leader. I joined AP in 2014 as their global business news editor. While I was there, I ended up overseeing AP's first large-scale experimentation with automation and artificial intelligence, where um, we began automating the production of corporate earnings stories. And that led me down a path of beginning to really explore and understand how news organizations can better leverage technology for the good of the journalism. Uh, and I you know, got to know uh, a, a lot uh, more than I ever thought I would about you know, artificial intelligence, but also news operations and what it means yeah. to bring change to a newsroom that was used to doing things a certain way. Um, and you know, as part of that, I started seeing uh, how collaborations in general could really strengthen the newsroom and bring in skills and resources to you know, organizations that are often financially stretched. And that then led to me creating, you know, working with my managers to create a role for myself in exploring how we could do more partnering around the entire global news organization and what might a real partnership strategy look like. And that could be collaborations with other news organizations to produce great journalism, but it could also be collaborations with tech startups or universities. And we really thought very broadly about mm. um, the role that collaborating could play in, in strengthening journalism. And it turned out that philanthropies really are excited about that too and like to fund uh, those sorts of projects. Yeah. And as philanthropies in the last few years, particularly in the United States, have uh, become more aware of the importance of journalism to society, they have really increased their support of news. And, you know, we, we benefited from that. And, and I found myself in kind of an interesting intersectional place where I'm now able to kind of develop really interesting journalism projects and then go find the funding to support yeah. them. Yeah. 
there are quite a few things that I love about that, uh, that career path and that, that I think are going to be particularly interesting for the folks listening to this conversation. Because one thing that you said that I immediately want to kind of jump on and talk about is, so I created this job with my managers. So let's talk about that a little bit. Is that kind of a, is that a thing in your career that you create your own jobs? <laughs> um, it has turned out to be, um, and it's funny or interesting that you raise this because I think the most common question I get from people who are looking for leadership advice or mentoring is, how did you figure out how to do things outside the traditional journalism path Yeah, you know, in, in, in ways that make sense? And I think that there is a real hunger for uh, for doing just that one thing yeah. cross-functionally. Um, so, um, you know, it's, it's interesting. I think that, you know, of course, for many years, I, I was not doing that. I had very traditional roles. I think I was always kind of looking for, um, I, I was kind of treating what I was doing as a bit of a chessboard and seeing players, you know, who, you know, all kind of could fit together in some new ways um, and always trying to figure out how to do new things within the confines of my existing role. Um, and I think that, you know, as I got better at doing that and there was a great greater understanding of the value of that, you know, I was able to kind of make the case that, you know, here's how our organization will benefit if I'm allowed to spend more time doing that and really owning that. Um, yeah. But but I'm not going to say that there's not quite a bit of luck uh, in that because I think it also requires leaders above you to really appreciate, uh, yeah. you know, that and the importance of it. Um, but I think it's, it's I, I can totally relate. I mean, I never had a job like in my, like, after my very first kind of jobs interning or, 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 you know, as a young journalist, I never really had a job that existed before I had it. So I always got to, which I guess is a very lucky thing to kind of shape those roles. And I, I found it super intriguing and amazing and a big, you know, big gift to be able to do that. But I also have to say that it's quite stressful because you're basically usually in an, in an existing organization, a legacy organization. And there you go mostly as, you know, a person coming in and doing a job that hasn't existed before. So I always found there is quite a lot of explaining to do. Do you find the same thing? Uh, a thousand percent. Uh, a lot of my uh, time is spent on explaining and educating. I mean, one of the things I think about a lot, um, I have often described what I do as operating a startup within a 177-year-old news organization. And when I think about what actual entrepreneurs do who are really building something from scratch, and I mean, for me, they are the heroes, right? I mean, to bolt, you know, to take those kinds of risks without a real safety net. Um, whereas, you know, who am I? You know, I'm taking risks, but with, you know, a big, uh, you know, a, a news family around me and a safety net to fall back on. But of course, there are some unique challenges to trying to do new things within the context of a large organization yeah. that certainly has its own ways of doing things, history, you know, if, 
never been done before, barriers and all of that. And I, I do, I, I think I have come to realize that it is actually a skill of mine navigating large organizations to be able to make change in a way that's a little bit different from yeah. going out and, and running a startup. Yeah. And it's an amazing skill that gets you far um, if you work in large organizations and that many people, I think, don't have naturally. I think it's something you can obviously learn, but I think you bringing that that passion for that kind of navigating the system element probably really helped kind of shape your your own roles. Are there any things that you can, as you reflect back on that and what you learned about you know, that system navigation, stakeholder management, what are some things that you, that you learned about that? Well, I mean, lots of things. I mean, when I think about how I have gotten things done, um, and you touched on it with, you know, the idea of, you know, educating, whether you are trying to make change within a defined department or whether you're trying to, you know, bring a whole new capability to a large organization, really defining the vision and helping people understand the vision and what you're trying to achieve uh, is, you know, just kind of the foundation of being able to do the work. And so there is a lot of you know, explaining and, you know, helping people understand the why and the value of why and, you know, having to, for the first four years in my role, yeah, I was a team of one. Yeah. And so I really had to influence and persuade people to help me with the things I wanted to get done by showing them this is why, you know, this is what you will get and what AP will get, you know, uh, from, from doing this work. And so, you know, bringing people along with the vision, you know, is critical. And I think that I also learned even more to not be put off by barriers yeah. and resistance. You just have to let that roll off and not get discouraged. Um, and it would be very easy to kind of say, well, no one, you know, no one wants to do this. No one, um, this is just not something that anyone wants to give the time for and do. And I think that I always had a little bit of that persistent quality, but I think I've also really come to understand that people, when people uh, surface questions or are initially skeptical about an idea or they like the idea but can't imagine how anyone would find the time to do it, like that's the start of, like that's not a no, you know? Yeah. That's just the start. <laughs> and, you know, really learning to kind of build up my own resistance to getting discouraged or thinking of that as a deterrent. Like, no, like that's just part of the process. You know, that just yeah. means we have to continue to explain. We might have to bring more people in. We Maybe we might, you know, have to try another team. But like, no is really just the opening. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a totally interesting kind of mindset, mindset change, because it's, I don't think it's usually how you, how you operate if you, you know, work in a large team, because 
that would mean like multiple stakeholder management, like all the time. So I find that really intriguing. I think it's a very entrepreneurial aspect of your job, which has a lot of entrepreneurial aspects, right? It does. And as you said earlier, it can be quite tiring. I mean, it does take a lot of energy and you know, I remember, say, especially at the beginning, thinking, oh, you know, can I just go back to running the journalism, which, you know, yeah. we produce the story and it goes out into the world and then you move on to the next story. Um, and this is a very different kind of work. Yeah. You know, you're always kind of working on creating it, growing it, nurturing it, um, measuring it. You know, and to be clear, like I don't, I, I definitely don't want to suggest that there was any sort of broad resistance to what I think people were genuinely excited to try new things and, you know, be a part of innovation and yeah. something different. I think the challenge becomes helping them figure out how to fit that into the 50 things they've already got to do yes. today and make you know, make the space for it. Absolutely. So resistance is not always kind of that curmudgeon kind of, we don't want to do it. It's sometimes just people are, people's resources are strained, right? Definitely. I actually think that's far more common. Yeah. That's the reason. Yeah. Rather than the curmudgeon. Yeah. When you, when you entered that new, that new phase of your career and, and started that new role, did you perceive kind of an initial like loss of power or influence by not, you know, immediately again, having a large team and having a very clear kind of power center in the organization and the industry? I would say yes. Um, it, it was an adjustment. There's also, I mean, kind of wrapped up in that is a little bit of the, like, oh, I've got to really explain, you know, if you're a global business editor, you know, yeah, I run a team of 60 journalists covering finance. And, you know, I mean, like it's an easy explanation. Yeah. He understands what that is. Um, you know, but the, the first title of director of news partnerships, well, what is that? And, um, and, and I even had former staffers say to me, they thought I was crazy yeah. for taking on something that was so like unknown and, you know, not really understood. And, um, so, so yes. Um, and I think that, you know, along with it comes the feeling of being an island a little bit where, you know, not only like you're creating something new, but you have to find your advisors in slightly different ways. Yeah. You know, there's not people that have gone before you who you can really say, help me work through this problem. Like you have to think a little bit more creatively about you know, how, how you approach getting that advice and mentorship. So, you know, going to AP's head of strategy or, you know, that sort of thing, um, was, uh, was kind of critical to me feeling like I had a community of, of advisors. Yeah. I can totally imagine because I do feel one of the things when I reflect on a lot of the conversations I had with folks having do those newish, often very interdisciplinary, often very kind of collaborative roles that somewhere, you know, that sit somewhere at this intersection, you know, that we talk about so often of like business, editorial, strategy, operations, marketing, tech. 
often it feels even lonelier than leadership roles in kind of the legacy tracks of organizations feel like, because you often are the one person in your organization doing that kind of job. So it kind of becomes so important to build those those networks and alliances like outside of work as well. And I know you're a, you're someone who's like super well connected and spends a lot of time collaborating with others outside of the organization. So I bet that's something that you invest a lot of time and energy in as well. I do. And I will tell you that earlier in my career, I had the experience of working as a journalist from home when my children were young. And doing that, I think in a lot of ways, actually prepared me well for this current role. Because when you're working, I mean, pre-COVID, when people didn't talk about working remotely, I did. And if I didn't build my own peer network and, you know, internal network, like I I was really not going to make it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And I learned about the importance of actually investing time in those relationships and, and, you know, uh, outside organizations and things like that, which have now helped me in this current role. I mean, I do think so. I mean, I think it's absolutely true that there can be a loneliness factor in, in what you're talking about, but I will say I loved it immediately. I loved the chance to have such a wide variety of projects that I was working on, which might involve particular journalism teams, but also might involve AI products or data journalism, or, you know, there was a really diverse set of opportunities for building partnerships. And that was really thrilling to me. And at the beginning, I will also say, I mean, I think the flip side to the loneliness part is that you also can kind of do a lot under the radar and, you know, fly under the, and, and people don't quite realizing. Yeah. It gives you some freedom that you don't have if you're in a totally like pre-structured setting, right? Yes. And I do, I do well in that setting when I'm kind of quietly, you know, making deals and the game changes when suddenly it reaches this tipping point where, you know, wait, she's bringing in how much money? Um, and now the attention uh, is focused, uh, which Absolutely. is cool, but it changes the dynamic. It does. It does. Because suddenly, you know, there is attention, right? So the first two or three years, you're, you know, you have that luxury to play a little bit because there isn't that much attention. And then obviously when, when you're successful, it suddenly kind of becomes a thing, right? Because that's, I think, what happens with successful startups, successful initiatives and so forth. Um there is suddenly managerial attention, which is great on one hand, but we all know that also comes uh, with scrutiny (laughs) on the other hand. Definitely. But, you know, I feel very fortunate because I was given the opportunity to really do something that was different and previously unexplored and was able to kind of play around in the sandbox for a good few years. And fortunately, there were successes. Um, and, and now I'm, you know, getting a lot of support to really build yeah. on that foundation and, and make it something even better. So it's, it's exciting. 
So you touched on some things in the last answer, like, you know, the COVID pandemic and what it did to the way we work and like hybrid or remote work and collaborative work. So I want to talk a little bit about that because one, one of the things that I find so intriguing about your role and the way you're living it is that it's purely built on collaboration um, and obviously also collaboration with folks all over the United States, in all kinds of organizations, I bet also outside of the United States. So I, I guess your work is mostly asynchronous, remote, hybrid in whatever way. I bet that's also something relatively new for a legacy media organization, right? Yes, definitely. Um, I think that when COVID first hit, you know, like every organization, we were challenged by having to essentially convert what felt like overnight into a remote operation. And, you know, thinking about what it takes to move a global news agency that's, you know, shooting live in the field and, you know, all of that kind of stuff to, you know, remote production. Uh, I mean, it's kind of amazing that we we did do it uh, and it worked for the most part. And, and really, I mean, I think it was so successful. I mean, today we're only back in the office two days a week, yeah. which is really a testament to the success of remote work. Yeah. For me, you're absolutely right that even when I'm in the office, my focus is often outside the office. Or I'm meeting with AP journalists, you know, around the world or speaking with partner organizations, you know, it is very much about, as you said, you know, that kind of external work and figuring out the right ways to collaborate and get things done via Zoom and shared documents and, you know, Slack and all of that kind of stuff. And it seems you very early on, like you mentioned before, had a knack for that kind of independence. How do your colleagues and not just necessarily at the AP, but like people in the journalism space. How do you feel that whole hybrid new work question is impacting the industry on a broader scale? I'm curious what you think about this as well. I mean, I see so many different kinds of challenges being discussed. And of course it depends if you're a news team, you know, the requirements are much different, right? And the dynamics are much different versus a team like mine, which is doing project-based work that doesn't necessarily have to be completed with urgency and all of that. I mean, for my own part, I can say that um, I think I do need to remind myself that there is enormous value in sitting across the table from even the, you know, even the people that you speak to every day on Zoom and Slack, having those touch points where you are bringing everyone together in one space to talk to each other. It's incredible, although it shouldn't be, how much that changes the dynamic of the conversation. Absolutely. You know, really allows for more free-flowing brainstorming. I think it's that that we lose with all of the Zooms and the Slacks uh, is is the kind of the flaring, free-flowing. The flaring, I like that that sentiment because I do think, so I'm like, personally, I'm a super big fan of that whole asynchronous remote hybrid, 
like, or more remote than hybrid setting, because I could, like, my work is so global. I could not, if it involved traveling to every client, every partner, I would spend my life on planes. So I'm like super grateful for the opportunity to do most of that work remote. But I do realize and recognize that specifically for folks who are earlier in their career, there is something about getting to know how an organization, an office, a newsroom, an entity works together. That a lot of the relationships you built are being built, you know, at the water cooler or outside when you're having a drink with your team or kind of between meetings. And the thing that um, that obviously online work does is it makes online meetings so transactional. I mean, we rarely have uh, online meetings that are just, let's talk, let's talk about how things are going, right? We are like, okay, we have 30 minutes. This is what we need to get done. Okay, bye. See you all next week. And I think that's hard for both people who haven't had the chance and opportunity and gift to be able to build that network in, in an in-person setting. But I think it's also sometimes hard for organizations to accept that this requires an, an entirely new way of managing performance and, you know, living leadership and living management. So what I do see is a bit of a culture clash happening at the moment where legacy organizations sometimes fail to recognize that folks are not going to be coming back five days a week. It's just, it's just not going to happen. Folks are going to quit if you force them, not all of them, but many of them. And on the other hand, I, I, I do see that by just doing online and being like, oh, cool, we can save the money for an office. That doesn't mean that you're deliberately building a culture. I think we're still really wrestling all of yeah. these issues. And I think for companies that believe there needs to be some consistency around policies and what we allow and don't allow, I think that is really being challenged by the understanding that it really does matter what kind of work you're doing in, in terms of what cadence and type of work is. Yeah. I mean, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I, you know, I think a little bit about you know, the notion of when I was business editor or really, you know, any editor is always like telling their reporters to get away from the desk and go out and actually talk to people and, you know, feet on the street. And so, you know, in some ways it's like, I don't want to see you in the office, uh, <laughs> you know, was, was meant to kind of signal, like, I want you to be doing, you know, out doing your job reporting. Um, you know, and that's, if you're in that area of work. I mean, I think the challenges are a little bit different, which also reminds me that, you know, we're having a lot of discussions right now about what AI means for a journalist's work and, you know, whether or not that's going to somehow, you know, diminish reporting rigor. And, you know, and I kind of make the comment like, I, you know, it's funny to me that we weren't having those same conversations about what the search engine meant yeah. To reporting rigor, because uh, how often have we seen journalists reporting via Google? A lot of implications around that that I think didn't get discussed the, the way we are around AI now. And I'm, and I'm grateful we are having that conversation, but just kind of like a check. Hey, like these issues have always existed. And, you know, it kind of all gets back to the umbrella of what's the nature of our work and you yeah. know, what's the right way to be effective with it. It must be a scary time to start out in journalism these days. 
I sometimes think about the, you know, the fact that you're like every week you read about layoffs. Um, every week you read about, you know, the political attacks against journalism in so many countries all over the world. You basically read about that uncertainty with AI. So I sometimes feel like, so you must be very brave to kind of start out in journalism these days. I sometimes think that when I meet journalism students or kind of young entrepreneurial folks who start their own thing. I think that that's really true. I also think that in my work, I get to see a lot of the green shoots you know, the new nonprofit news outlets that are being launched across the United States, there is a meaningful increase in collaborative networks and news companies really coming together to talk more about, you know, how do we make each other better? How do we agree on common standards? How do we, you know, work better with academics or, you know, whatever the case might be. And, and I'm heartened by that. And I think the definition and the opportunities that being a journalist, I think the meaning yeah. of that has changed. And, you know, I, I think, so I don't know. I mean, that's kind of looking at glass yeah. half full, but, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of excitement. Absolutely. You know, that also comes along with some of the despair. <laughs> around yeah. polarization and things like that. And I do think, I, I mean, I'm always a glass half full person more than a glass half empty person. So I do feel there is also an, the opportunity to build a media ecosystem together now that's more collaborative, but also more equitable and that really centers communities that haven't been centered before. And what I do see happening is that quite a few of these community-oriented startups that are being built or collaboratives or new initiatives, whatever you might call them, are actually centering communities of color, are actually centering communities that have been underserved, are actually centering women in their coverage, but also representing that belief in their organizations and newsrooms. So I do hope that that like new wave that we just talked about is also going to influence legacy organization, that there is going to be kind of an influx back of, oh, wait, maybe we also have to change more radically than we did before. I think that's right. And I think that underpinning that is a growing understanding that news organizations need to be positioning for impact. And you can see, I mean, that has been something that has really informed my own work and or my understanding of that has really grown. If what you're trying to do is achieve impact that leads to somewhat different decisions about the kind of work you do, uh, how you structure your teams, how you engage with your audiences, whether it's local or national. And I feel like that is in a way one of the more exciting changes we see happening that is very much leaving the realm of nonprofit news and starting to really inform 
you know, maybe your traditional for-profit news outlets as well, where they, where they are realizing that the path to success has to start with their impact on their, on their audience and community. I think that's just a hugely positive development. I totally agree. And what I do see is that sometimes legacy organizations, but also legacy managers and senior leaders have a hard time with that shifting notion of impact and have a hard time with the question of, well, if this is the new thing that we are optimizing for, how do we actually measure success and how do we lead towards that impact? Have you, have you seen that tension or are you seeing that tension as well in the industry and that shift of what leadership has to do in, you know, that period of time? Anita, as usual, you're asking five questions in the same. (laughs) So I don't think that we as an industry have done a good job of documenting and measuring our impact and then telling the story of that. And I think we all are getting better and need Mm. to do even much more around that. And I will say that the act of having to report back to a foundation that has given you a grant to do something, there's nothing like that requirement to reinforce the importance of being able to measure impact and and show it. Yes. And so we have, I mean, I can, you know, speak for myself and AP, we have put some real uh, work and resources into thinking about, you know, developing an impact framework um, and, you know, kind of outlining and improving the tools we use to collect and document that. And I coincidentally just met yesterday with our news leaders to talk about how we start to move that kind of thinking and those tools beyond specifically the philanthropic funded journalism to the larger organization and, and begin to imbue that throughout so that's one thing, and, and that's a very positive yeah. change. And in a way, one follows the other, right? Like if suddenly you're involved in having to measure something, that then gets you as a news manager thinking more about how do I do that and how do I have something to show and maybe I need to actually think about the strategies I'm using and around impact. And so, I mean, I think it all kind of goes together, but um, th- I mean, there's no question that this represents a different way of thinking about the work. And, you know, you can see that happening where we're having conversations about the fact that the number of people who viewed a story or downloaded a story is not the only measure yeah. of a story. So. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So as you because you work with so many folks in your own organization, but also in other organizations, associations, and so forth. What are some traits that you're seeing in leaders in all kinds of organizations that you see emerge now, that you see prioritized now? What are some skills or approaches that you see in leadership that make working in this more interdisciplinary, collaborative environment more fruitful for everyone? You know, I mean, it feels sort of meta to say, well, they need to be collaborative to do collaborations. Um, But, you know, I mean, I I just think we can't stress enough that the skills and qualities that lead to ability to collaborate, you know, are pretty critical in being able to operate in this new world. I mean, 
in my organization, but in many others, especially I think older organizations, I think there's this constant discussion about how do we de-silo the yeah. organization, you know, and needing to break down those old walls between teams, between departments. And I think, you know, people who are able to navigate that well and have an understanding of that, that to me, you know, I'm seeing it more. And also I think we we do need to develop those skills more when we are doing leadership development and management training and things like that, you know, centering that in the work. So I would, so definitely that, Yeah, you know, I would say, um, and, and I'm, I'm trying to think what else, I mean, I think that, you know, I talked a little bit earlier about the importance of articulating the vision and helping people see the why, you know, of what they're doing. I mean, I don't know that that's really a new thing, but I, I feel like there's just a little bit more emphasis today than maybe there has been in the past on really needing to zero in on the why are we doing this and why it matters and what's that North Star vision so that we all understand what we're working toward. Uh, I think more than ever, I'm feeling that there's an understanding of the importance of the discipline around that. I mean, partly by necessity, right? Because we can no longer afford as an industry to be just doing things for the sake of doing them. Yeah. Really be very intentional and, and ask hard questions about yeah. you know, why we're doing what we're doing and the choices we're gonna make. And I think you're you're obviously you you're saying these things and to, to you and me now talking about it, they sound quite obvious, like no, collaboration, uh de-siloing, um, being able to very succinctly kind of explain the strategic goal of why we are doing what we're doing. But I do think traditionally the media industry as a whole has not been particularly great in either of those areas because it didn't have to be great in either of those areas. You could be, for many, many years, you could be a senior leader in an organization and not collaborate with folks outside of editorial, say. You could work in a total silo and be perceived as successful. You could be a super senior and perceived successful uh, manager without being strategic and without kind of being able to share that strategic vision with others. So I do think you're saying a lot of very true things here that should be the standard, but for a long time, they weren't the standard. I think that's a hundred percent right. Um, and as you're talking about that, it, you know, my mind kind of shifts to the piece of my hat. That's the technology and news hat, you know, as an industry, we've, drastically underinvested in technology and data and helping even smaller newsrooms use very basic tools that make dramatic differences in their ability to produce great journalism. And when I talk to newsrooms about, you know, AI and, you know, when they're wondering oh no, you know, what do I need to do? And, you know, realizing that there's just a very, we're, we're really starting from a very basic level in a lot of instances. And I mean, I think in a way, those two things are connected, you know, leveraging collaborations or, or leveraging technology, which, yeah. you know, both of which happen to have informed my own arc, you know, uh, to me, like it's all kind of part of the same thing that we're really needing to, 
you know, build a different kind of news industry. Yeah. But it's not the traditional arc that, that many J schools prepare you for or many internships that still kind of silo you into a corner of the newsroom, right? I, so I do think there is probably reinvention to be done there as well. That's very true. And I feel like that's something you and I may even have talked about before um, is that, you know, students in journalism programs, you know, it's not just about reporting or editing. It's also, you know, who is training the next generation of collaboration yeah. editors or, you know, leaders who can do that work. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of work to do here. Lisa, we're nearly at the end um, of our conversation, sadly. Um, so I'd love to leave you with that last question that I ask all my guests at the end. Um, if you could turn back time and go back to young Lisa uh, at the very kind of early days of her career and give yourself some advice about careers, leadership, life. What would that advice be? I think that my advice would be to take more chances and seek out new experiences earlier on and Don't be afraid that trying a slightly different role or moving to a slightly different kind of news organization, you know, means something permanent about your career that early on, that's the time where you're able to explore and build different kinds of muscles. And, you know, you should take advantage of that young Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Wonderful advice, Lisa. And uh, thank you so much uh, for, for being here today. Oh, thank you for having me. It was so, such an inspiring conversation. Thanks, Lisa. was today's episode of Better Leaders. If you enjoyed it, please do follow us and subscribe. Thanks for listening. Missing Link 